Hey, welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel, and I have with me today Josh Brown. Josh, how are you? Doing well, Dan. A little cold here today, but doing well. Well, that's you know what you get for first week of March usually. <laughs> um, Josh, we got some big news this week with TBT. Do we? Yeah, we announced it on Monday. The uh, TBT, the TBT, as everybody seems to call it, even though that would be the the basketball tournament. But uh, TBT and ESPN have announced that we have a multi-year extension. I, I'm 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 speechless, Dan. It's great. We had an exclusive yeah. multi-platform broadcast rights for uh, ESPN and TBT. They're going to cover TBT for the next three years, 26, 20, 2017, 18, and 19. And one of the coolest parts about it is that they're going to cover the entirety of the tournament this year, which includes the regional rounds, which are going to be streamed on the Watch ESPN app, increased coverage of the Super 16, and uh, obviously the regional, I mean, the um, regional championships, which are, you know, kind of the quarterfinals when you're down to eight. Uh, and then the semifinals and the championship are all going to be covered on ESPN's major networks, both ESPN and ESPN2. So really a big, big, big development for TBT and ESPN. You know, the best thing about that, Dan, is we get more Fran Fraschella. He, I just love like listening to him in a TBT game, just talk about where these guys played and like what they played like in AAU when they were like, you know, 12 years old. He's just such a knowledgeable guy so yeah the more friend we get the better knowledgeable and incredibly nice just one of the yeah. nicest guys out there too you know you really could not meet a nicer guy than fran for so yeah that's awesome and that you know hopefully he'll be back covering the games and calling the games on espn but more than anything i think it's great for all the participants that are going to be playing in tbt to know that you're two games away from playing on the main network right from the get-go you're going to be on the watch espn app and those games will be available wherever you can do uh watch espn and stream games on espn so that's going to be fantastic and really exciting. You know, obviously our ratings went up last year, 140% among younger viewers, 18 to 34. So that was a big, big development for TBT. And obviously ESPN is targeting those people as well. So really great developments for TBT and for ESPN. And uh, we're excited about that happening. So some great stuff developing on that front. Um, now, Josh, we've got one of the guys that kind of started as a TBT fan. I know we've spoken to him before in the podcast, but started as a TBT fan, came down with his dad to watch the TBT uh, initial year, the inaugural year back in 2014, and then said in 2015 that I want to jump in myself. So he and his brother uh, created Team HBC. This is Brian Hurley that we're talking about. And you had a conversation with him that uh, we're going to play up coming in just a second. Yeah, it was really kind of great catching up with him. Like you mentioned, you did an interview with him a year ago, but they had a lot of moving parts. If you remember that team, that HBC team who beat AMR in 2015, they actually combined with AMR for the 2016, and he gave a great insight. I mean, they're they're kind of a, a family that uh, is kind of involved with the game. They both played, the two brothers played uh, D3 college ball, uh, but they're not really kind of in the maybe D one kind of circle so it was kind of interesting to hear from him how they were able to recruit you know big name guys they had guys who played at uh you know florida alex tyus comes to mind a couple of other big name schools so he was really great and uh just kind of hearing how they prepare for tbt some of the you know he took us kind of to behind the scenes of maybe like the anxiety you have as a tbt gm during the three months are people going to show up are we going to get enough people to vote for us they had to get in through the uh big brother big sister their uh, charity event last year. So, you know, kind of hearing about all of that was really great to catch up with him and, and kind of get an insight from, uh, you know, the perspective of a guy, of a guy who has, you know, uh, connections in the in the field, but might not be uh, the D1 kind of connection. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. Excellent. Let's go to that now. Brian Hurley of Team HBC. 
Welcoming in now, Brian Hurley, GM of HBC. Brian, thank you so much for coming on such short notice. We appreciate you being here. No worries. Thanks for having me. Now, Brian, you know, you're a guy who you're kind of uh, what we call it, a TBT lifer. Um, and we were talking a minute off the air and, you know, you've been on the podcast before, so uh, we don't have to go through anything. But you want to just give people a brief rundown of your kind of involvement with TBT, whether it be a fan and now a GM and just kind of how you heard about TBT and ended up where you are now. Uh, yeah, so back in 2014 when it was first announced, um, I was still in college playing basketball, so I was not allowed to participate. Um, and I had read an article on Grantland about the tournament coming out. thought it was something that would be interesting. Um, my brother also played college basketball, and our oldest brother is a big basketball fan as well. So we had um, looked at it, seen that it was a cool concept. Um, my brother that had played college basketball at St. Michael's, Chris, who has also been involved with the team, uh, myself and my dad went down to Philly the first year to watch um, the games. Um, had a good time watching the games, thought about the next year enter, entering a team ourselves and maybe even playing in it just for a little bit of fun, not with any hopes of going too far. But then as we got more traction on the votes, we figured why not try to put a team together that could actually contend versus us just playing ourselves for fun. And, you know, obviously the name HBC is Hurley Basketball Club. How do you kind of, uh, for the people at home that don't know, how do you kind of come up with that? So we play in a... a a summer league in Watertown, back in Watertown, Massachusetts, where we're from, uh, a men's league um, that's pretty competitive. It's got a lot of older Division One and um, to Division Three guys who have graduated and just live in the Boston area, um, who play down there in the summertime. And the team, since I don't know, I think maybe 2012, when my brother was maybe a junior or senior in college, um, so maybe even earlier than that, maybe 2011, uh, was called Hurley Basketball Club in that league. And then uh, we figured, why not keep a, pull it over into the TBT for our team name? Now, you guys, like you mentioned, you had that team in 2015. You beat uh, AMR down in, where was the South? In Charlotte that year. or yeah. uh, No, down in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. Atlanta, yeah. yeah. Um, and you beat AMR, and uh, then, you know, I, I was kind of doing the content, getting ready, looking who was entering, and I looked at HBC, and it's, it's AMR combined with HBC. So you kind of joined with the team that you beat uh, the year prior. How'd that kind of come to be? So coming back into it the second year, um, last year, the guys from the year before on our team, two of them were injured, two of the guys that were key of our contacts and getting most of the players together. Darren Duncan um, was injured and Darren Mency both had played at Merrimack in college against my brother, Chris. So that's how we had originally gotten in touch with them. Um, Darren was injured, Duncan and Mency was going to be playing with some other guys. Another guy on the team was um, injured that summer playing overseas. So he wasn't able to play and it kind of just fell apart. We only had seven guys on the roster anyways. Um, and then we had all the votes because I had a lot of votes from my college um, from the year before and could get all those votes again. Uh, I think it was maybe Dan who had put me in touch with, um, or Jesse had put me in touch with uh, Aaron because he had a bunch of players but didn't have all the votes and didn't want to go through that whole hassle again. So we, we talked, came to an agreement, and he had brought the players and we had done all the work in getting us in and uh, all kind of the operational work aspect, I guess you could say, and came together and actually ended up having a very good team. Unfortunately, we were missing 
couple of key guys in the first weekend and lost to uh, the eventual ch- champions by only a couple points. We were their closest game, I think, to overseas elite until the championship. That's true, and I, I actually forgot about that coming in, but um, that that was a great game, like you mentioned. And uh, I think, you know, you guys, you're a little bit different than maybe just the random GM who wants to enter a team. You know, you are uh, you know, you know, played over in Maine for, uh, I never know how to pronounce it, Bod- Bodoin? Bod- Bowden. Bowden. Uh, I'm a New England guy, I should know that. But, yeah, uh, I never know how to pronounce it either <laughs> until I went there. So. Um, but, yeah, you're a college basketball guy, your brother, so you, you're kind of in in that circle. But um, in some sense, too, you are just kind of, you know, you're the normal guy trying to recruit a team. How do you um, – how have you been able to kind of – you know, or not how have you been able to do it, but what's kind of advice for um, the guy who doesn't have maybe all the connections to guys like um, some of the guys you were recruiting, like Alex Tyus, who played for Florida. He was injured, unfortunately, but you guys recruited him. And, um, you know, uh, Jamal Schuler is another example, a pretty well-known college player. What's your kind of advice for uh, getting into contact for, you know, the average Joe who wants to create a TBT team? So, I mean, like you had said, fortunately for me and my brother, we did have some background and knew some people and played with some guys in AU where you could reach out. But the key is to just reach out to as many possible people you know in the in basketball i mean i kind of just relate it to like networking when it comes to whatever you do for your job where you always want to be in touch with anybody that might have some influence or some relationship that you could try to use and leverage into the next relationship whether it comes to for networking for work but the same with this i reached out to plenty of people that either didn't work out or didn't get back to me and if you reach out throw a hundred times and as long as a couple of them stick and you get a couple of good guys. Usually once they're on board, um, they have obviously teammates or friends that they've played with in the past. Cause that's how some of our team came together too. Um, Ty Abbott and Rick Kuksix had both played at, uh, Arizona state together. So it was somebody on our team had known Ty and played with him in the past. And Ty knew Rick who played over, he's from, um, Latvia, but he played, in the Italian league um, the year before we had. I don't, I don't know exactly where he is this summer, but um, it kind of just starts to piece together. The key is if you're going to put the team together, you have to have something to uh, interest the players by being able to get them in voting-wise. You can't just hope to get a bunch of people to play for you if you're not getting the votes yourself. Um, so that's kind of another key. you got to be able to bring something to the table. And, you know, then you – like you mentioned, you bring something to the table. You have a team that can compete. But, you know, with TBT, you know, guys are getting summer league. They have things going on sometimes. How kind of the last uh, couple of years, how kind of difficult has it been for you? Or uh, how much have you kind of been uh, stressed out, you know, late at night, a week before the tournament that, um, you know, maybe a guy, you don't know if he's actually going to show up or uh, you're kind of worrying about, you know, is this guy going to, uh, you know, will he be down in Charlotte uh, when we tip off? You know, how much does that kind of worry you, especially being that you guys are not an alumni team where they seem to more get together a week before and they go through a training camp and you guys are kind of all just kind of, you know, coming together for the tournament? Um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot of work and it's definitely a lot of, you got to do a lot of stuff um, to get prepared to be able to make sure everybody's down there. Um, and we had had that issue with guys um, like Tyus had got a, a an NBA summer league offer then ended up getting, I think a a contract 
signed overseas where he they didn't want him to play in the summer league anymore. So then he was able to play for us, but then he had tweaked his um, – he had some type of injury, maybe a hamstring or something that he had tweaked, so he couldn't play the first weekend. So it's kind of shifting pieces. You obviously want to have as many players as you can on the roster in case something of that nature happens. And Scott Machado from Iona, point guard, had tweaked his um, groin, I think, the week before. So he couldn't play that. He was down there with us, but he couldn't play, which was unfortunate. So you got to take those things to, into account. Um, <clears throat> but it's definitely difficult. you gotta got to put in a lot of work and a lot of hours to make sure everything goes as smoothly as possible. But as you mentioned, too, with getting down there and working out or um, having a training camp of some of the college teams have it, we still at least um, got our players down there earlier and got gyms um, at least the Tuesday before and, and the year before that. That was a big reason I think we won our first game against the AMR the first year was we got our guys down there early, got a gym space from people that we knew in the area, and they got to uh, to work out a little bit and put in some sets and get to know each other a little bit better um, for at least like three or four days before. So it wasn't just show up to the game and hope to win. Absolutely. And one thing I actually, not to hit on, you know, bad memories for you, but um, you guys were, you know, one of the teams who you can kind of go to because you played them. Uh, I thought in... 2015, one of the more uh, intriguing teams was the primetime players, and you guys actually played them um, down in the South region, and they were kind of, they they weren't really, you know, they they didn't really resemble you guys, but they were kind of similar in the sense that, um, you know, not a lot of people knew, you know, Chris Thomas, the GM, coming into the tournament, and they were guys who, you know, played together. I just wanted to kind of get your sense, when you, you know, when you woke up the next morning, or when you beat AMR and you knew um, that you were going to play prime time. What was kind of going through your head watching that team? You know, a bunch of guys who nobody knew, but they were playing so well. Um, did you kind of underestimate them, overestimate them? What, I just, I thought they were such an interesting team in 2014, and you kind of got a firsthand uh, perspective of them. So, yeah, the, the next day, coming playing back-to-back games is always tough. You don't do it as much when you're playing overseas. They usually schedule like once a week where – this is kind of bringing you back to your AAU days where you're playing on a back-to-back weekend. Um, and that team, especially in basketball in general, um, when everybody's playing professionally overseas, um, everybody's very competitive. There's not that much of a drop-off in the basketball tournament after you get out of the first round. You usually lose the teams that are definitely uh, lower-level teams, but on any given day, a basketball team that's a good quality basketball team can beat anybody. So... They And them also having played, they play over 100 games a year or something like that together as a team, which is huge, especially in a tournament where you're playing a bunch against a bunch of guys where some of them never even met each other until days before the tournament. Um, so chemistry is a big thing, especially in tight games where everybody kind of knows their role, where when guys, six or seven guys have come together for the first time ever to play, when it gets down to the to the wire, you don't always know who's going to be the guy to go to and where your spots are. So... They were definitely a very good team, well coached. The, the GM, Chris Thomas, coaches them on a regular basis where we had just met our players. So they have plays. They have sideline out-of-bounds, baseline out-of-bounds plays. So they were definitely a very competitive team. Um, but it was a tough game for us. We kind of we didn't play that well. And it was still close. We still had a chance, fortunately. But um, things just didn't swing our way. The other thing I want to 
ask you, because you guys uh, played overseas elite. I mean, you guys, like you mentioned, you came uh, as close as anyone. You know, maybe uh, Team 23 in Colorado in those championship games um, were kind of equal to you guys. But you guys, again, came really close to beating them. What, what kind of, though, it, it seems like, again, um, you guys came close. 23 came close. Colorado came close. You know, a, a couple other teams, they were in kind of dogfights where maybe they pulled away uh, in the end. What makes them such a, a, a tough team to beat? Um, with four minutes left, it's a tie game, and they seem to pull it out every single time. I mean, they play defense and they play hard. Their guards play hard. Um, the guy, DJ Kennedy, obviously can be a matchup issue for some people with his size and um, ability to play on the perimeter, which kind of hurt us at points. One of our uh, our starters, Tyron Johnson, who was uh, kind of the same size with the athletic ability that he has that could have been a help to defend him, had gotten in foul trouble, so that had hurt us. But I think we were tied with about four minutes to go. They had hit a couple shots. We missed a couple shots. Ended up, I think we ended up losing by seven after we fouled a couple times. And it was a close game. They're a good team. They just they play hard. Um, obviously, we were missing two of our guys that we would have liked, but they were missing some of their guys too. I don't think they had um, Mike Cabongo or the shooter Bader. So yeah. can't make those excuses. So they're, they're a tough team, and they've obviously won back-to-back years. So they're who everybody would be gunning for again this year, rightfully so. Just a couple more questions to ask you, and um, one, I'd be we. I kind of know your answer because we talked uh, off the air, but uh, I, I'd have to ask you. Uh, I guess on the record, you know, any kind of updates on HBC? Anything you want to inform the people with uh, as we kind of are starting to get into TBT territory? Yeah, I mean, it's up in the air right now. There's a lot of stuff that's going on, a lot of pieces that got to be um, put in place, and talk to a lot of guys, and also see kind of what. I assume after, so in 2015, we got in on votes. 2016, we had to do the Big Brother fundraising to get in. Um, With that out of the mix and the voting assumed to be as competitive as ever, it's going to be hard to get in again. So we kind of got to figure out different ways um, to strategize on how we want to go about getting in. But Hopefully, if all goes well, we'll be back in the tournament with um, just as good as a team, if not better, for for this upcoming year. But we'll, uh, it's going to be a lot of work from here until then to see if we can get back in. Just out of curiosity, you guys were in Atlanta and then Charlotte. Is there any reason why you went south two years in a row? Did it just you know was it more convenient for your guys, or did you see kind of a competitive thing there? So the first year we did it because of the voting and because the the. The competition-wise, the West was probably the weakest the first year I was in it, not 2014, but 2015. Um, but we weren't going to be flying all the way out there. Where the s- Northeast was very competitive, the South had some lower teams um, in the bottom that we definitely thought we could easily beat. So we talked to the players about it, and they were all fine with since people were coming from Chicago and coming from um, places outside of Philly anyways, that flying into Atlanta would be just as expensive if maybe not even cheaper to fly down there right. and the competition was lighter so that was why we did it the first year and then this past year since us and amr had both played down there it only made sense to to go play there again um obviously usually the northeast is the deepest but um the south has obviously generated the the champion both times so um wherever you go i think especially this year it's going to be competitive all around so i don't think it'll make too much of a difference where we played 
Absolutely. Um, this year. Absolutely. And actually, as a, a tease to the people, uh, your information about TBT 2017 is coming out real soon. Uh, as in, you know, be on the lookout for every podcast. And uh, I'm sure uh, Brian will be looking out too. Last question, Brian. You're a TBT fan uh, through and through. Uh, you're at, you're there 2014. You know, you, you have a team now. Um, is there any kind of, name one or two of your favorite kind of, besides HBC, all-time TBT teams to watch? Just a, a team you enjoyed. I think uh, both of us, at that 2014 bar, Barstool team was a lot of fun to watch. So maybe them and maybe another team or two that you've really enjoyed watching over the years in TBT. Yeah, they were definitely entertaining to watch. Um, I was, being a Boston guy, I was pulling for them the first uh, the first year when I went down there. And then uh, since the championship was in Boston at BU, I was at the championship game there also. Um, it was, uh, and I was at the, the championship game this past year in New York City up at Rose Hill. And I would say, be comparing just those two, the games were both unbelievable games. The atmosphere at the BU game was pretty, uh, pretty good because of Barstool right. having all those fans show up and chanting and how close it was. And they obviously had a lot of big names and, Dante Jones went from being on Barstool Sports and the TBT to being an NBA championship, NBA champion two years later. So it was interesting to see how that works and um, the talent that they had. So I'd say they were definitely the most entertaining to watch. And then especially with um, El Prez and Big Cat being on the bench, being entertaining, and the, their videos that they made while they were there were, were entertaining. So they, they definitely brought a lot. And they also, in Philly got into a, a little, uh, the, the bench is cleared yeah. the, after one of the games, which is also always entertaining when you have a little bit of people mixing it up after the game. So I'd say they were probably the most entertaining. Yeah, I think that was Big Apple basketball uh, when they played. Uh, no, I think it was, it was the, uh, I remember, because it was the Maryland team. Um, it was Maryland. Team. You're right. You're you're right. Yeah. You're 100 percent right. Yeah, that was uh, a lot of fun. And who knows? I wouldn't count them out not coming back again, uh, especially uh, again. Maybe a little quirk in the TBT 2017, but keep an eye out uh, for that little teaser right there. Brian Hurley, GM of HBC. Uh, Brian, I can't thank you enough for coming on, and uh, best of luck as we uh, get into the registration process. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, great interview, Josh. You know, one of the things I love about the Brian Hurley story and Team HBC is just as I was talking about before uh, you spoke to him, that transition that they made from actually kind of watching this event from afar and then just deciding they were going to make it happen for themselves and be a part of it themselves. I love that story, and it's absolutely unique to TBT. Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. Uh, you know, Hurley's a big one that comes to mind and kind of just how he uh, really just kind of fell in love with the event after watching it, you know, saw how it was, uh, you know, a unique event that you're not, you know, it, it's a, again, just a unique product. And it was really kind of cool that not only have they jumped in, but they, I mean, they won a game in 2015 and they almost beat uh, the two time TBT champions this year. They played, them extremely tough like he mentioned they were maybe you know besides Colorado the closest team to beating them so not only have they entered but they've done a really good job when they've had the opportunity well hopefully Brian will be back and it'll be exciting to see what team HBC looks like in 2017 uh, when he does jump back in I know Josh we've also got updates from around the world so what do you've got yeah, Dan, I did it a little bit differently. Um, so we have updates from two players in Europe and then a couple of TBT actually coaches and boosters. I, I 
it was kind of a, a slow week over in Europe. They finished all their midseason tournaments a couple of weeks ago, kind of gearing up for the stretch run. So two players and, and then a couple of uh, TBT boosters as well doing big things. But the uh, two players are uh, Jason Clark from DMV's Finest and Demetrius Conger from Basketball City. They actually play together in Belgium for the Antwerp Giants. They're off to a 15-7 and record so far this year. Clark is more of a kind of a guard who likes to get to the hoop, finish around the rim. He actually leads the league, Dan, with 18.7 points and five uh, dimes per game. And Conger is more of a swingman. Uh, and, and, you know, Clark really likes kind of dishing the ball out to him. Uh, Conger is averaging 10.8 points per game, uh, likes to shoot the three a little bit, finish around the hoop, kind of a, a very versatile player. And uh, Clark was actually named the league's top player following an 18-point tennis night uh, just the other night against Leuven, again, over in Belgium. And uh, Conger actually played very well in that game as well. He had 16 for the Giants. So uh, Clark and Conger, a duo playing very well over in Belgium. And uh, two guys who maybe you didn't hear about a lot during the tournament, but have uh, kind of took that momentum and are playing very, very well over in Belgium. Uh, three guys now who are TBT guys. They have never played a TBT game, but they've been on the court. Um, again, supporting their team, and all three are actually NBA guys. C.J. McCollum, uh, the brother of Eric, the two-time TBT champion. Uh, Dan, I, it was kind of funny when I was looking him up, uh, remembering how he had that huge contract in the middle of TBT that he signed with Portland and how kind of that caused a stir. And Eric had a couple of really good uh, quotes about it, something like, you know, he's never buying dinner for C.J. again or something <laughs> like that. Uh, well, C.J., again, a booster for that overseas elite team, playing very well with Damian Lillard, again, in Portland. Uh, they're on the verge of a playoff uh, appearance this year. They're, I think they're number nine now, a game behind that number eight seed. Uh, he's actually averaging 23.2 per game, and he had uh, one of his you know finest games of the year. He poured in 31-5 and five in a win over Brooklyn just uh, two nights ago. I bumped so, into him. Did I tell really? you that? Yeah, no, over All Star Weekend. Yeah, I was oh, staying down in that, uh, Mardi Gras. Well, yeah, they were, you know, the All Star Weekend was here, and he was in the three point contest. And by a series of strange events, I ended up in the same hotel that almost all of the NBA players were staying in. <laughs> and I'm going up the elevator, and I turn to my left, and I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Eric McCollum. And I was like, oh my God, that's CJ McCollum. <laughs> <laughs> And he was wearing a hood, and they should have seen the security to get into this hotel, Josh. It was like going through TSA. I'm sure, It yeah. was unbelievable. that you did. They did a hand pat down. They wanted you. They x-rayed all your bags. They had dogs sniffing the whole thing. You couldn't even drive on the block that the hotel was on in New Orleans. Wow. So they clearly, these guys must get harassed, like, you know, you wouldn't believe. And I could tell that he was kind of taken aback that anybody had even recognized him, because he's not physically a guy that stands out as obviously in the NBA. You know, he's like 6'2", right. and um, it, he had a hood on, like I said. <laughs> I think he was a little bit taken aback that I even recognized him. But anyways, he was uh, he seemed like he was happy and, you know, having a good time that weekend. So good for him. He's doing great. Great guy, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We have a couple of great pictures on him with the bench, uh, really celebrating with that team uh, in TBT. So like you said, great guy, doing well. In Portland, they're fighting for a playoff appearance. Hopefully they make it. Uh Another guy, Marcus Morris, the coach of foe. Uh, he's having a career year, Dan. I don't know if some of that TBT uh, summer ball kind of uh, carried over with him. You know, his foe team played very well. Um, but, 
again, having a great year. He's actually playing for Detroit uh, in the NBA, obviously. They're, the team's having a, a little bit of a down year, but him personally doing very well, averaging 14.7 points and nearly five rebounds a game. He actually had a, a huge game on Saturday night. He had 22 in a big win over Philadelphia. Dan, he, he actually, his twin brother, Markeith, um, like you can attest to from TBT, they look alike. Um, they they're built alike. Well, I just mentioned Marcus averaging fourteen point seven and five a game. Markeith is averaging fourteen point seven and seven a game for Washington. <laughs> so uh, they're nearly identical on the court as well. Washington, the number three seed right now in the East. So uh, one of the leaders on that team. So both uh, Faux brothers are playing very well. Did you uh, did you see what Markeith said about those two free throws he hit last week? I did, yeah. That was the best. If, I'm not going to say it, but if anybody wants to Google, Google Markeith Morris, free throws, wife. And if you Google those three things, you're going to come up with one of the all-time greatest quotes uh, about the testicular fortitude that it takes to hit free throws at the end of a game. I'll just say that. I had to read that like four times to be like, did you really say that? But yeah, it was a great quote. Uh, and yeah, again, his Wizards are playing very well. And Fo played very well in the tournament. They brought a, a huge crowd of people. So uh, hopefully they'll be back as well. Uh, another guy who I, I loved watching him coach, Dan, uh, Wesley Matthews with the Golden Eagles alumni. He had just kind of a, a real passion for TBT coaching on the sideline. He, he really got into it. Uh, I remember talking to him and he had to miss one game because uh, he had a wedding, I believe, to go to. And he was he was devastated that he had to miss one of their games. And, and he coached uh, every other game for the Golden Eagles alumni. Uh, again, just kind of an Iron Man in the NBA. He's playing for the Mavericks, averaging 15 per game. His career average is like 14.8 a game. So he's really kind of been very consistent in the NBA. He actually had a hip injury, uh, and he's missed a couple of games. So hopefully he gets better quickly. It didn't sound like anything too... Uh, uh, noteworthy that he'll be out too long. But again, averaging 15 a game for the Mavericks, playing well. And I thought one of the the best coaches that we had in TBT brought a lot of passion. Obviously, X and O-wise, he was very good. And a guy who I hope is back with that Marquette alumni team. Yeah, he uh, did a great, he really did a great job coaching. And you can absolutely see him doing that after his career ends too, I think. His playing he, career. He, yeah, he was like, there's certain guys in the NBA who you watch now who you're like, they can be a coach. And watching him actually put it together was, you know, he had the kind of aura and the mentality of a real coach. He took it 100%. It wasn't really, it was a fun thing for him. But when they got on the court, it was, you know, what am, what am I going to do to put my team in the position to win the game, uh, which is what any good coach does. So yeah. uh, I could definitely see that for him moving forward. Yeah. And it is interesting that, you know, he did leave for that wedding. And I think what happens a lot of times is guys don't realize how into the whole event they're going to get when they're making these plans. So like, yeah, I'll do a couple games. I'll play a couple games here, there. And then if something conflicts with it, then so be it. And then they really get mad at themselves. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I just wonder if maybe he had it to do over again, if he might not have stuck around because they would have, yeah. they, they could have, they very easily could have been one of the teams that made the final four. A lot of people were picking him to get there. I think Fran, who we talked about earlier, did a lot of the uh, kind of expert panel we brought in. So uh, it'll be interesting if they come back with the same team, uh, if they make any changes to try to make a, a kind of a revenge run after they kind of got shocked by that Bradley team uh, down in Philadelphia. No question. All right, I got a few updates myself, Josh, based upon uh, research that you did and were kind enough <laughs> to pass along. Um, the first one actually was um, Max Margulis from Max's All-Stars, a New York-based team that played in 2015, sent me this update. I think Max might be thinking about jumping back in, which really would be great because it's a great story with that team. And, and Max is obviously a great guy. But 
uh, Doug Herring Jr. Uh, so he is playing up in Canada right now um, in the NBL, and he's playing on the London Lightning, which also has a guy by the name of Royce White, who has been like the number one white whale for uh, every team in TBT over the last three years. But Royce White is playing up in Canada with Doug Herring and Garrett Williamson, who played at, uh, for the Liberty Ballers the last couple of years. Anyways, he's playing up there, and Herring is leading Canada – uh, in the NBL with eight and a half assists per game. Uh, he actually began the season in Uruguay and then returned to North America, but he had one of his best games of the season, Josh, on Tuesday, pouring in 24 points and six dimes for the 18-3 and London Lightning. He's actually a Utica grad, and like I said, he played for Max's All-Stars in 2015. I have heard, Josh, and I'm not going to say what the source of this information is, but I've heard that the London Lightning might actually join the event in toto. Wow. Like, as a team. I- we we saw that a little bit with uh, who was that team who jumped in Dan, um, the Mill Rats. The they, Mill Rats. they jumped in. Yeah, the, uh, I think the distinction that I would make there is the Mill Rats came in with a different crew of guys, and what I'm kind of hearing about the London Lightning is that there could be an entire squad. So we'll see if that plays out or not. Wow. And if it does, and you're looking at a team that's 18 and three right now, uh, up in Canada, could be something to really watch for because I think you know obviously familiarity and comfort. And trust are huge in an event like TBT. Yeah, I mean they they won't have to. I mean I'm sure they'll train. The, you know they'll have a little off time before TBT, but they don't have to worry about kind of the intense training camp, getting to learn uh, the sets they're going to run. So it, it's certainly a huge advantage. Absolutely. All right, the second one, Rodney Green, who played for 20th and Only, which was the LaSalle alumni team, is a 28 year old playing in Argentina. And last week he exploded for 33 points and five rebounds with six assists in a tough 97-95 loss against Obras Basket in Argentina. He actually plays for Instituto Atlético Central Cordoba. You like that pronunciation? It sounded very fluent, Dan. Gracias. Yo puedo hablar español. Solamente un poquito. Anyways, he's second in the league there in scoring with 20 and a half points per game, and he's dropped at least 10 points in 15 straight games. So good for Rodney Green. 20th and only, always a tough team in TBT. And you got to think one of these years, he's actually going to break free. They're going to break free, rather, and uh, and really do some damage in TBT, potentially going pretty far. Uh, Derek Byers, Kings of the South. Hearing some rumors about Derek Byers, too. He went to Vanderbilt. You know that? Yeah, he w- began, I believe, in what? Virginia, and yep. then transferred down to yep. Vanderbilt. Anyways, yeah. he, uh, he's a Vandy guy, and we'll say we'll leave it at that. Oh, Anyways... I- Get the vibe you're going with now. <laughs> He's uh, started the season in France, and he actually signed a contract with uh, the D-League for in the Delaware 87ers, which is a tough one to say. You know, I got to admit, 87ers does not roll off the same way as 76ers. No, it doesn't. And we've had like three or four TBT guys who've played for them, so they're kind of a pipeline. They are. They are. Um, anyways, a little branding thing there. I'm not sure. Delaware 87ers is not... <laughs> it's too many syllables, I think. Yeah. Anyway, the Kings of the Cell Swingman has constantly been on the move since being drafted by the Portland Trailblazers in two, 2007, playing in 10 countries on three continents. So anyways, he's moving around a lot. Good for Derek. Uh, he's got good things in store, so he will, uh, he'll be a guy to keep an eye on this summer. Josh Boone, who is uh, one of my favorites. He's been in TBT three different times for three different teams. Played for runners-up in 2014 Team Barstool in 2014, like I said. 2015, he played with Slam, which was a Slam Magazine-backed uh, team. In 2016, he joined up with the Talladega Knights, which was a really uh, great squad. Probably the, might be the best uniforms in TBT history. Have you seen those? I, I have. Very nice. Uh, Southern Hospitality has a little run on <laughs> those them. Those are good, too. Uh, yeah. th- those were my personal favorite, but Talladega is definitely way up there. They're all great. Andrew Krause, uh, by the way, does all of our uniforms, and he is just so talented at putting together these unique looks for these teams. Really awesome uniforms. 
it's like it just it, not to cut you off there it's so kind of detail oriented if you you actually have to like take a, a kind of like a microscope and just look at up close at like yeah. all the kind of like details like oh absolutely from. you know like but i don't know anyways the, between the uniforms and the logos one of the, my favorite things about the the logos are all the little hidden things in the logos too fraser yeah. davidson by the way from uh, London, England, does all of our logos. But I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you look closely at the Overseas Elite logo, you actually see a dollar sign in there. Yeah, yeah, that was pointed out to me. Great little touch. They're going to need, like, I guess now $2 signs heading into this year. Just <laughs> Maybe. Just kind three. of pouring it off. <laughs> exactly. Um, anyways, Josh Bruin has uh, been playing all over the world. Really an interesting guy and um, really an awesome player. But anyways, he's uh, had been pl- has been playing in Australia where he uh, f- has been averaging nearly a double-double for Melbourne United with 10 points per game and nine nine and a half rebounds. Anyways, he's now going to the Hong Kong Eastern Long Lions, which is an interesting name, L- the Long Lions. It must be a different yeah. breed of extra long lion or something. <laughs> Anyways, he's been in pro ball for 11 years since being drafted by the New Jersey Nets in the first round in 2006, and he's played in seven countries on three different continents. Um hearing some stuff about where he played in Australia. I'm not going to say anything more about it other than that, but some interesting stuff with uh, Josh Boone in Australia as well. Um, all right, so uh, last one I have is Sammy Monroe, who played for the Jabroni Project, one of the all-time great uh, TBT teams, backed by Georgetown Law grad Eric Fisher, who's now practicing law and probably wishing that he was back in his TBT GMing days. <laughs> but uh, Eric Fisher um, had Sammy Monroe play for his team back in 2015, and Sammy is notching double digits in every single game this season. He continues to impress in the Al Garafa Doha in the capital city of Qatar with a 24.12 rebound outburst against El Jaish. Monroe is averaging 23.5 points per game, 9.5 rebounds, and 4.4 assists per game over in Qatar which is supposed to be a great place to play. I've heard a lot of great things about uh, just how modern Cutter is. It's almost like traveling to the future, they say. Yeah, you wouldn't expect it, but I've actually heard that too. So uh, good for him. You know, good, tough league to play in and, and playing well. He actually, when I looked him up, he had a uh, video for 2016. I don't think he ever ended up playing last year, but hopefully we get him back for uh, this you know upcoming summer. I love how much these guys travel, you know, and I hope that they enjoy it too, because there's not a lot of times in your life where you're going to get to kind of move around as much as they do yeah i mean it's crazy i mean when you compare it to like i i don't know in like america like it's a big deal if you a job you go from like i don't know boston to relocate in new york it's just yeah. crazy how they jump from country <laughs> to country right right and they're all chasing you know the same dream and they're all i think some of the guys the ones that tend to play between like five and 15 years or so it seems like they really have just taken to it they love it they embrace the uh the challenge and the different cultures and all that kind of stuff and and those guys, I think, probably get a lot out of it, I would imagine. It, it's kind of, it, you see, you know, Matty Walsh, when you interviewed him on the podcast, and he just kind of said, one of the you know all-time TBT players, Matty Walsh, um, he kind of just said, you know, it, it was after time, it was enough is enough. So like you said, guys either really kind of embrace it and, and they love going country to country, or, you know, at, you know, it, it can take a toll on you, like we saw with uh, Matty, who's now back home in the USA. Yeah, exactly. Matt's got some great stuff going on. Um, hopefully we'll hear from him sometime in the next couple of months as well. Uh, Josh, TBT application period starts April 1, less than a month away. It, I, I saw that uh, earlier today, the kind of the update you put um, over to some of the GMs. And, and that's really, I mean, I, I looked at the date. I couldn't even believe it's already the beginning of March or one week, uh, one month away. 
Uh, and that's always kind of a fun time, that April to June time period where people are putting teams together. You get uh, unexpected people joining teams. You get uh, boosters jumping in. You get, you know, kind of all the drama of TBT. So uh, it's kind of like a reality show beginning on April 1. <laughs> exactly. All right. So April 1 to June 1 is our application period. The games are going to take place uh, later this summer in July and on August. Again, that's all going to be covered by the ESPN family of networks. So look for TBT there. You can find us on uh, social media as well because we actually do a lot of social media stuff uh facebook we're the tournament on facebook on twitter we're at the tournament on instagram we're the dot tournament which don't forget the dot the dot tournament on instagram and on viber with the tournament which i know has become your new favorite uh social media platform josh right viber <laughs> huge viber guy dan on it all the time yeah i'm constantly vibing i love it it's like my favorite <laughs> thing oh snapchat we're the tournament on there we haven't had a ton a ton to do on snapchat lately but we'll be ramping that stuff up as the application period uh, continues. So anyways, look for us on social media. Spread the word about the TBT podcast to all of your friends and family. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. It'll help spread the word. Josh, thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dan.